So let me answer some questions here. What is the church teaching about wells? How many well does Christ have? Does he have one incarnate nature? Also, does he have one incarnate will? If so, why we dialogue in uh, uh, why dialogue in Gethsemane? Okay. Uh, we believe that our Lord Jesus Christ has one nature from two. His humanity united with his divinity. Now we are speaking about one nature, the incarnated Son of God. So this one nature has one will. So as the two natures were united together without mingling, without confusion, and without operation, and we cannot speak about two different well, uh, natures uh, in the same way we cannot speak about two different worlds. But the dialogue in, in, in Gethsemane, here the Lord was speaking with the Father. So I think you are confusing the will of the Father and the will of the Son. You are confusing these two wells with whether Christ have two different wells, a human will and a divine will. The Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnated Son of God, has one will. But the Father also has will. These two wills are not contradicting. So when the Lord Jesus said, it is not according to my will, but according to your will, he speaks about his will, the will of the incarnate Son of God, and the will of the Father. So when he said, not according to my will, but according to your will, this doesn't mean these two wills are contradicting, but he submit his will to the will of the Father. Like uh, a son who trusts his dad, so he says to his dad, uh, let it be according to what you want to do. So I am totally in submission to your will. So there is no contradiction between the will of the incarnated Son of God and the will of God the Father. Should I worry about my fiancé if he is watching pornography? Yes. Pornography is a destructive bad habit. And pornography can cause addiction. And pornography can affect negatively the intimate relationship between a husband and wives. And pornography defiles the, the, the mind of the person and make him perceive ungodly practices as normal. 
and make him demand uh, his wife to do such practices. Also, pornography can actually, uh, if he holds his wife in a high uh, esteem, then he cannot imagine that he can have sexual relationship with his wife. Because in his mind, by watching pornography, the image of the women in general was ruined in his mind. So it can actually make the opposite effect. Uh, pornography also makes the normal relationship not exciting to, because he became desensitized. So, uh, you said his fiancée, so are not married. He should actually seek some uh, professional help and, and maybe this lecture, also the eight points that we mentioned, will help him to overcome this sin. Uh, so when you get married, uh, your marriage will be built on foundation of purity. And this is a very important foundation for a successful marriage. Is getting a tattoo a sin, even a small cross on our wrist? You know, tattoo is forbidden in the scripture, in the book of Leviticus. Don't have tattoo in your body. Why God forbid the tattoo? Because in the Old Testament, the pagan people, uh, they used this tattoo, as they used to put tattoo in their body, as uh, has different uh, meaning, which is uh, totally uh, against God has nothing to do with, uh, with, with God. So God wants his children not to be conformed to the children of the world. God wants us to be unique. In, in Egypt, when people used to have a small cross in their hand, uh, tattoo is not common in Egypt. Back then, I'm not speaking yeah, about before, I'm speaking about Canada right now. So this cross actually uh, was done in order for the people to confess their religion, I'm Christian. And actually I have a tattoo here in my hand to prove that I am a Christian. And they did it in, 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 with simplicity of, of heart, just to defend their faith. Again, it's the non-Christian. But when we come here now, in the West, like in America, tattoo have this satanic and uh, non-godly connotation. So even if the people who have tattoo here in their uh, across, uh, he can tell you I'm atheist. So even if I have a cross, Maybe next to the cross, I can have demonic uh, sign. 
So the cross here in the Western culture doesn't have anything with Christianity. So when I, I am doing a tattoo in my, in my hand here, actually I'm conforming to the children of the world. And why it is very important for you to, to have a tattoo? You can show your faith and your Christianity uh, by your, let your light so shine before men. And, and I grew up in Egypt and I don't have tattoo here, I don't have a cross here. What's wrong with that? The idea that you want to have a tattoo, if you are honest with yourself, you want just to be conformed. Everybody now, it is a fashion to have tattoo. So you want to have tattoo, to be conformed to the children of the world. But in order to justify it yourself, you are going to say, you know what, I'm going to have a cross. So it's a religious thing. But in, in, at the end, this pressuring desire to have a tattoo is because you want to be similar to the children of the world. Question. Your grace said sometimes God's let us continue to fall in order to keep us humble. Actually, if I remember, I did not say God let us continue to fall, but I said God let us continue to struggle. There is difference between struggling and fighting and falling. So I'm still tempted, but I'm fighting. I did not reach the level of uh, not being tempted. Uh, but just I want to correct this. God let us continue to fight, to struggle, in order to keep us humble. Then the question, how can I overcome a sin which has not happened? If I am tempted, shall God withhold his grace to protect me from the pride that would happen? When can I do what can I do about that then? No, I, I, I think you misunderstood me. I'm not saying God will withhold his grace from you so he will let you fall. Then you will be humble. No. There are two stages in, 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 in fighting against sin. One stage, I'm still tempted, but I am fighting back and resisting until bloodshed. And the other uh, stage that I don't feel tempted. For example, if you are not a smoker, if I get you uh, cigarettes right now, you will not feel tempted at all. You know? But somebody who just quits smoking, uh, maybe he will feel tempted. So when I said God wants you to be humble, means God maybe will not remove this temptation completely from you or this desire completely from you so you will continue struggling continue struggling means you are aware of your weakness then you will not fall into uh, into pride that's what I meant but I did not say 
God will allow you to fall. God doesn't want us. Uh, as St. Paul said, uh, sorry, St. James said, uh, don't say if you are tempted, that you are tempted by God because God is not tempted by evil and he does not tempt anyone. So God will not actually make you fall in sin in order to protect you from pride. No, I did not. Yani, I, I think there is misunderstanding. I used to be very active in many services. I got married recently, and I had to reconfigure my schedule. I am currently struggling, making time for my family, God, work, and service. How do I develop and maintain a good balance? Uh, time management is very important, but I like to commit here, you are putting God as one of the tasks. Family, God, work, service. Uh, I disagree on this classification. God is not another activity in your life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, St. Paul said, Whatever you do, whether eating or drinking or doing anything else, do it for the glory of God. So when you spend the time with your family, it is for the glory of God. When you work, it's for the glory of God. When you serve, it is for the glory of God. When you have fun activities, it's for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Then, definitely, we expect that uh, after marriage, yes, you need to uh, reconfigure your schedule. Uh, before marriage, you were alone, but now you have more responsibility. And nothing wrong with that. So you need to set your priorities right, and you need to uh, manage your time wisely, uh, seek uh, advice and counsel from your spiritual father, uh, and, and maybe you can uh, yeah, don't spread yourself thin in so many services and so many activities. Even we see this for the priests, who actually are full-time uh, dedicated to the ministry. St. Paul said, if he doesn't know how to manage his family or his household, how he will be interested to manage the, the Church of God. So even priests who are dedicated 100% to the ministry of God, they should manage their family well. So you are required actually to manage your family well uh, and also to serve. So you need actually to set your priorities right, to manage your time wisely, uh, but definitely uh, yani, your schedule will be different after marriage from before marriage. This is expected. What is the church teaching about grace? How it works helps me in my battle against lust and sin in general. Now this is a very long subject, but let me summarize it quickly. The Old Testament, there was no grace. So the starting point for any person, he is sinful. 
Right? And then God gives us the law. And it says, do this and you will live. Nobody was able to keep the law complete without breaking any sin. Any, any commandment, sorry. Without breaking any command. That's why everybody was under the sentence of death. We say in, the John, in John chapter 1, the law was given by Moses. That's the law. And nobody was justified by the law. But grace and truth by Jesus Christ. So, the new covenant, which is based on grace, here is the difference. We are born as sinners. Then, in baptism, we are born again from the Holy Spirit. And we are justified and we become righteous. Without doing anything, that's the grace of God. This child who is baptized, he didn't do anything to be worthy of justification. It is the grace of God. Then, the first time or encounter with the grace is that the grace actually justifies me in baptism make me temple of God in, in chrismation you are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you so after baptism the starting point I am righteous but this not on my righteousness it is the righteousness of Christ then I have the commandments, like in the Old Covenant, they have the law. I do have commandments. In the Old Law, you are keeping the commandment by your own effort. That's why everybody failed to keep the commandment. But in the New Covenant, you have the grace that will help you in obeying the commandment of God. That's why God took the commandment to a higher level. You have heard it was said, don't commit adultery. And many people couldn't, like David, couldn't keep this commandment. Because they were struggling by their own power, their own effort. Now in the New Testament, I have the grace. So God took this commandment to a higher level. So if you look at a woman to lust after her, he committed adultery. Why he take it, took it into a higher level? Because I have the grace. Like if I say to somebody, carry this uh, podium, he cannot carry it. But I, I bring a helper to help him, then he can carry it. So that is the grace of the Holy Spirit. That's the, uh, the Holy Spirit is the helper who helps me to keep the commandment. That's why St. John said, and we know his commandment is not burdensome because of the grace of God. Then, if I fall in any sin, I have the sacraments of repentance, confession, and communion to make me righteous again. This did not exist in the Old Covenant. In the Old Covenant, once you commit a sin, you, you are under the sentence of death. But here, if I commit a sin through repentance, confession, and communion, 
And these are graces from God. I am forgiven. I'm righteous again. That is the place of grace. So grace doesn't mean I'll be lazy, doing nothing, and then the grace of God make me righteous. No. I, I, I am doing, but the grace of God helping me, supporting me. If I fall, the grace of God will forgive me and give me another chance. So the grace of God make me righteous every time I fall and help me in keeping the commandment of God. How can we love the LGBTQ community when we work with them without accepting their views and behaviors? There is difference between loving the sin and loving the sinner. We are called to love everybody. And we, we love... Uh, the sinners because we ourselves are sinners. But loving a sinner doesn't mean we accept their views. All of us who are sinners. So why are you struggling to love them? Many of us lie and we love one another. So as you love people who lie around you, why it's difficult for you to love them? The problem with this group is not that they fall in these sins, but the problem they are normalizing, they are not saying it is sinful, they are saying it is not. For example, if somebody come to me and tell me, Sayyidna, there is nothing wrong in lying. Lying actually is something good. Lying will solve your problems. Lying will get you out of troubles. And we need actually to teach the people and to encourage people how to lie. And give them techniques about lying. We will not accept this. We will not accept this. But we will love this person and because we love him, we'll tell him, your teaching is wrong. When you're saying lying is good, that's wrong. Lying is sin. Right? And why I'm correcting the teaching and the belief system? Because I love him. So, this group, their problem actually is saying to the evil it is good, to the darkness is light. But if they say it is wrong, it is sinful, this practice is abomination to God, then definitely uh, the, the, the they will be struggling against this sin like we struggle against any other sin, lying, cursing, 
any, any other sin. So when we say we don't accept their views, yes, we don't accept that evil is good. We don't accept that what's abomination to God is something normal. And because we love them, we tell them this is wrong and you need to change your belief system. You need to come to the truth and the truth will set you free. Your grace mentioned loving a sin or being addicted to a sin. How can one defeat the desire to do that sin? Like you said, the true repentance is not just quitting the sin. So how does one hate the sin or not desire it anymore? We are required to fight the good fight. Then I am faithful. When I am faithful in fighting the good fight, God in his own time and according to his wisdom, he will remove this desire from my heart. You know, so I'm not required or there is nothing in my hand to remove this desire. But what I am should do or I am required to do is to continue and to be faithful in fighting the good fight. Be faithful unto death. And when God sees my faithfulness in the fight, then, according to his will, he will remove the desire in the right time. What is the boundary between sitting and letting God's will work in your life and actually acting? Actually, does not, God does not act with lazy people. I cannot say, uh, just I'm sitting and let God uh, find a job for me. No. I need actually to pray, asking God to enlighten my way, and I do my work. Even if I made wrong decision. There is one verse in the Bible very comforting. God corrects those who sin in the way. So we are required actually to keep acting while we are praying to God to correct me and to guide me and to lead me in the right way then God actually will work with me. So I need to offer the five loaves and two fish so God can bless them and feed the multitude. I need to remove the stone so God can raise ladders. I need to wash my eyes in the pool of Siloam that God can restore my sight. I need to do my part so God can do his part. And here is the rule. Whatever you can do, that's your part. God will not do it for you. Whatever you cannot do, that is the divine part. God does not encourage people to be lazy. I can remove the stone. God will not remove it from me. 
I cannot raise the dead man, God will raise him. I, I, I cannot feed the multitude from five loaves and two fish, God will do it. But I can give the five loaves and two fish, God will not do it for me. I can wash my eyes in the pool of Siloam, God will not do it for me. I cannot restore my sight, God will do it for me. So the rule is, whatever you can do, that's your responsibility. God does not encourage laziness. Whatever I cannot do, this is what God will do for me. I am close to 30, which means he is not 30 yet. I am um, not married. I want to have a child before I am unable to. I want to go to a sperm bank and have a child. Why should I wait? I want to have a child. This is my dream, my desire. Time I get married. Go. And have 100 children. مش عارف ايه المشكلة يعني. Why you go to sperm bank? And you, you, you get a child from uh, over that's not your wife. They're still young. Don't let these thoughts actually يعني, attack you. Uh, look, pray, look for the right person, uh, get married, and then you will rejoice with your own children. Children are a gift from God. I'm addicted to porn and what comes after it. I have realized I have a problem and I need your advice. And as I said, Number one, actually, pray and ask the grace of God to help you. Number two, use radical amputation. If you watch porn on your phone, remove the internet completely. If, uh, uh, try to see how to run away, how to, to escape. Make it difficult for you to access uh, pornography. If you have some videos or movies uh, saved on your computer, erase them. Then you need to confess this sin and have your spiritual father hold you accountable. Uh, there are some programs uh, that can actually يعني, help you the accountability. يعني, and I heard about a program called Covenant Eye in which actually uh, you can sign, يعني, uh, this will give access to مثلا, your spiritual father or somebody you trust. So every time you go and watch pornography, it will give a message to the other person, your يعني, accountability partner, that you do this. So there are some things like this, it can help you. Uh, don't fall into despair. Uh, 
keep confessing such sin uh, and confess it as soon as you fall in this sin. Uh, because you, usually what happens if I confess and repent today, maybe I stay away from the sin for five days, one week, ten days, etc. Then once I fall, then I repeat it until I go to confession again. But if once I fall, I confess immediately, immediately, then actually uh, after this, uh, I will quit again for like 10 days. Then if I fall, I will confess it and, and so on. The idea here, for example, 10 days, you, you are away from the sin, and then you fall for one day and you confess it immediately, then you will be 10 days, you fall one day, then you rise again 10 days. So in period of like two or three months, uh, you did not do it for maybe 88 days and you fell twice. It's different than in these three months, you fell in 80 days and 10 days you did not touch pornography. So, it is a habit, you, your body will, will forget about it when the days in which you don't watch pornography are more than the days you watch pornography. You need, uh, so you need to agree with your father of confession how to confess it immediately. Once you fall in the sin, how to confess it uh, immediately. Uh, and don't fall into despair. Uh, God will, will, will give you the grace, but fight the good fight and resist until uh, bloodshed. Well, I'm thinking of becoming an Eastern Orthodox monk. Is there anything wrong with that? Uh, Don't we have the same faith? I know we have our own monasteries, but they are not spiritual atmospheres. As I have experience in the Eastern Orthodox monasteries that I visited and spent time there. Uh, we are not in communion with uh, the Eastern Orthodox. Uh, still we cannot co-celebrate together. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure about your, your comment here. I know that we have our own monasteries, but they are not spiritual atmosphere. So did you visit all the monasteries and you judge all the monasteries that they are not spiritual? Yeah, that's not right. Taban, uh, if, if you join the Eastern Orthodox Church, you will not be able to take communion in, in our church because we are not in communion together. Uh, Noah was able to keep himself godly in a world that the, there was no other body godly except Noah and his family. What I'm trying to say, even if, if what you are saying there is no spiritual atmosphere. You can, you can keep your spiritual relationship with God. Uh, 
like Noah, how he kept his spiritual relationship with God um, in a world that, they, they, that was ungodly. But uh, I am concerned lest you have uh, a sense of self-righteousness. You make this judgment. So I think before considering monasticism, you need to examine yourself as your spiritual father, whether you have any source, any sort of self-righteousness in your heart first. حد بيقول أريد أن أرى الله فماذا أفعل؟ وخاصة أن الأمبر سانيوس بيقول إن طالبنا الله يظهر لنا وإن أمسكنا به يبقى أعلم أن الله يظهر للقلب النقي فأحاول تنقيات قلبي ولكن أريد أن أرى فماذا أفعل رؤية الله ليست الرؤية الجسدية ولكن نستطيع أن نعين الله في قلوبنا وبأرواحنا أيضا نرى الله في التعامل مع إخوته زي ما ربنا قال كنت جوعانا فأطعمتموني كنت مريضا فزرتموني لما بنعمل خدمة إحنا بنرى الله في هذه الخدمة أكيد السلام يعني بتكلم أمبرسينيس قال إيه أكيد عارف القصة بتاعت الأنبا بشوي لما تلمزته قالوا له إحنا عايزين نشوف ربنا وخد لهم معاد وهم في الطريق شافوا راجل عجوز عايز يروح معهم على الجبل وكلهم رفضوا إن هم يساعدوه كان الرجل العجوز ده هو ربنا وكان الدرس هنا لو أنت عايز تشوف ربنا شوفوا مساعدة الآخرين شوفوا في خدمة الآخرين شوفوا في وقفة الصلاة بلاش تفكر بطريقة مادية مع ربنا لكن فكر بطريقة روحية لإلهنا نجد دائم إلى الأبد آمين